You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, I'm, uh, I made the mistake of getting entirely too wrapped up in the uh, horrifically evil acts that took place in Israel. And, of course, whenever that happens, not only do I, at least, I'm guessing most of us tend to get a um, bit of a heavy, heavy heart and... Uh, you know, it's like, you got to do the podcast. Like, are you serious? This is what we need to work on right now. But alas, it is. So, um, obviously, praying for the people over there, families of those massacred. And although I have no expectation of this war ending soon, just like any war in my lifetime, it is uh, very unfortunate that it is happening. And I hope that it, uh, fingers crossed, there is a swift and definitive resolution. But with that said, uh, today the goal is pretty simple. So the players, which not much has changed. A look at the Las Vegas Raiders, which honestly shouldn't take very long. We basically covered it when we pointed out that they got two really good players. Aside from that, the team sucks and there's no excuses. But we'll, we'll dive a little bit deeper into specifically what they have and, and maybe where some opportunities would arise. And then uh, we'll end it with our picks. My picks. The picks. First of all, the news and notes. Jonathan Taylor did reach a uh, contract extension, which I think really, it does a couple things. Number one, it takes that off the table, which is good. We don't want Jonathan Taylor. We looked at that a while ago. The the price, I mean, on top of the part where you just, you don't invest in running backs, which we may be beyond that. The Packers are going to do that. You definitely don't want to invest in a running back that has that much tread on his tires. Is starting to see a lot of injuries. Has seen a decline in his his ability sticking him plus sticking him behind our offensive line on top of having to give him that giant contract there's nothing good about that you want to invest in running backs do it in the draft the other thing that i think it does is highlight the reality that for almost every player in the nfl it's just about money man there's all that talk about well nobody would ever come to green bay why would anybody go to green bay nobody's ever going to green bay bro they will if green bay offers them the best contract do you think there's anywhere on planet earth that Jonathan Taylor would rather not be than Indianapolis. He would happily go to 31 other teams after the way the owner treated him. They offered him the money he wanted, and he said, okay, I'll stay. Just that simple. 
You don't want them to leave? Give them the money. Now, there are going to, I mean, everybody's an individual. Some people will, will make decisions and refuse to go certain places or demand to go to certain places, like Devontae specifically wanted to go to Vegas. But for the vast, vast, vast majority, just give the guy his money and it'll be fine. Um, on the positive front, obviously we are excluding David Bakhtiari here, but, but aside from that, lots of positive news. Um, first of all, um, not only are people looking healthy, but Elton Jenkins and John Runyon are not even listed. That is to say, they're not even questionable. They're full go. So that's shocking and awesome. Um, that obviously doesn't automatically mean the offensive line is going to be improved, but uh, it's, it's, it's as good a news as we're going to get. The fact that we right now are going to have, I believe, Walker, Elton Jenkins, Josh Myers, I'm sorry, I know, you hate him, I get it, John Runyon, and Zach Tom. Now again, I had no expectation, I mean, just looking at basic Google search, I don't even remember what it said, I, I, I was looking at, I think, about six weeks I was expecting. Elton Jenkins to be out, and I don't know if he's just powering through the pain or if he genuinely just doesn't have a lot of pain right now, but um, hopefully he's doing okay. I mean, you would assume if he has pain, he would be maybe listed as questionable. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, way ahead of the schedule that I had expected, and so we should have, yes, some guys are probably a little bit banged up. That's everybody in the NFL, but we should have a more or less, excluding Bakhtiari, who's out for the year, fully healthy offensive line. Um, Aaron Jones, no real massive update there. He's kind of the same, um, same as he has been. We, we assume he will be out there. It's just a question of, is he going to be on a pitch count? But I mean, in all honesty, and I understand last week was ridiculous with the lack of usage, but let's say they use him as much as they want to use him, which they did not last week. What really is the difference between Aaron Jones on a pitch count and Aaron Jones not on a pitch count? Like 10 and 15? I mean, we don't use him that much. I mean, 15 snaps is, is normal for him anyways. As annoying as that may be to many of us who want him to carry the ball 25 times if possible, it's just not usually how they operate. So um, I don't know that there'll be that big of a difference. They may not even know. We'll, you know they, they might just play it by ear as the game goes on. We'll start off with Aaron Jones. If he's feeling okay, we'll just keep rolling with it. If not, maybe start pulling him back. I don't know. Uh, Jair listed as questionable. Um, I am assuming he's playing. I don't know comments from the coach saying he basically did everything that they asked him to do. Same with Aaron Jones. So I'm thinking everything will be, uh, a-okay with him. Same for Rudy Ford and, uh, Eric Stokes. Now, again, Eric Stokes is an interesting situation because we don't know if they're going to bring him back into the fold or how that's all going to play out. I honestly don't expect to see Stokes, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to keep an eye on that. Um, otherwise, Elton Jenkins, as I said, Luke Musgrave, John Runyon, Zach Tom, Carrington Valentine, and Christian Watson, uh, all full go for the game. They're not, uh, there's no designation, I guess. And that leaves um, the Zaniac, Zane Anderson, and Devondre Campbell out for the game. I tell you what, the, the Packers are really hurting right now not having uh, Zane Anderson. <laughs> you thought I was going to say Devondre. No, 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 you stupid man. Zane Anderson... Uh, that is killing us. In all seriousness, though, Devondre is a is is it's a rough one, and I I hope we can get him back. Um, I don't know. I don't even want to say soon because apparently it's a high ankle sprain, which you know Doctor Google is is over a hundred this year. But hopefully he comes back soon because he is a major piece. Looked like he was on a off to a great start this year, 
and uh, would love to have him back. I think he, you know, I think Quay would benefit from having him back too. I think there's been a drop off in Quay's production without having um, Devondre there. So, but all things considered, it's a relatively healthy football team. Uh, looking at the Las Vegas Raiders, the only player officially out is cornerback Nate Hobbs. Hobbs is their slot cornerback. He also missed um, last week, and he will very much be missed. Um, he's not a terrible football player, and um, Amik Robertson, who's going to be stepping in for him, 5'8", 183, fourth-round pick from the Raiders in 2020, is a uh, is certainly a downgrade from Nate Hobbs. So not the biggest loss in the world, but it certainly doesn't help for a team that's got enough issues as it is. Then they have three questionables listed. One is David Long. It's another cornerback. He's sort of their uh, number three boundary guy, I guess. So he would be a backup if any of the starting corners on the boundary went down. Another cornerback, Jacorian Bennett. And then wide receiver Devontae Adams. Devontae did not practice on Thursday or Friday. He was limited on Saturday. So it's a little bit more serious than uh, just your your standard questionable, kind of like you have David Long here who was limited Thursday, Friday, Saturday. To not be able to participate at all Thursday and Friday, um, could call it a close call. So not actually sure. We, we've got Jair and Devontae are going to be the matchup of the century here. And we're not even sure if either of those guys are going to play. So we'll see. As I mentioned, Las Vegas has two top-tier players, and one of those is Devontae. If Devontae can't go, I mean, it's just, it's pretty brutal for them. Uh, The quarterback did come back, though, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think that was more or less expected. He was in the concussion protocol. Uh, He was limited Thursday, came back in full on Friday, so he's he's a full go. He'll be in the game. Uh, The other top-tier player is Max Crosby. He was, he's, he's going to play. He doesn't have any kind of designation, but he is dealing with a knee injury was limited on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. So I expect um, Devontae to be playing, but obviously similar to a lot of the Packers guys, we'll just have to wait and see. But um, it's a little early, but let's take a break. We'll come back and dive into the Las Vegas Raiders, and we'll see where that leaves us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones, and to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of 
on all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's just go through and take a look kind of item by item at this particular team. Right now, Jimmy Garoppolo. 68% completion percentage, 709 yards, 7.5 yards per attempt, five touchdowns, and six, count them, six interceptions. He has two big-time throws, which is 2% of his throws, and four turnover-worthy plays, which is 3.6% of his throws. He currently has a 70 passing grade, 68.7 overall grade. Jimmy G right now is probably one of the worst quarterbacks under pressure. He actually has an 83.4 passing grade, 76% completion percentage, 625 yards, five touchdowns, and two interceptions when he's not under pressure. When he is under pressure, he's 7 of 19, which is 36.8%, for 84 yards and four interceptions. Zero touchdowns, four interceptions, 36.6 passing grade, zero big-time throws, three turnover-worthy plays pretty straightforward the plan here and here's part of the problem for him anyways for the Raiders his time to throw is really high his just average time to throw is 2.82 seconds which is too long that's 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 a long time but here's the thing even while there's no pressure it's 2.74 under pressure 3.07 that's always higher there's a lot of scrambling involved running around for your life and whatnot but even with no pressure His average time to throw is 2.74 seconds. For reference, Jordan Love is 2.48, sub 2.5. At wide receiver, we all know Devontae Adams. He currently has an 88 receiving grade, basically the exact same guy he's been since forever. Zero drop-off from Devontae Adams since he left. Uh, He is the most targeted. He has 50 targets. The next highest is 26. He has 33 receptions. The next highest is 18. He has 397 yards. The next highest is 199. So basically, he has double. Um, He has 400. The next highest is 200. He has three touchdowns. The team as a whole has five receiving touchdowns. The number two wide receiver is nearly a tie between their actual wide receiver two and Josh Jacobs. But um, Jacoby Myers, who has played one less game, to be fair, but still... 18 receptions, 199 yards, and the other two receiving touchdowns. He has a 69 receiving grade. That is their number two wide receiver. After that, there's basically nobody, which I know doesn't really make any sense, but their next wide receiver in line is Hunter Renfro, who has five catches for 52 yards, and yes, he's played in all five games. He has a 50 PFF grade. Five receptions for 52 yards. That's almost one reception per game. One reception, 10 yards, no touchdowns, 50 receiving grade. That is their number three. Then it drops to two targets, 21, uh, uh, two receptions, 21 yards, and then one target, zero receptions, zero yards. That's it. Um, 
So just looking at receivers, like I said, it's basically Devontae and nobody else. Jacoby Myers is there. He's kind of done some stuff. He's not terrible, but he's not a major threat for a competent defense. And then at tight end, remember, they got rid of their elite tight end, sent him off to the Giants, and now have Austin Hooper as their number one tight end. Hooper has been targeted five times, has four receptions for 51 yards and a 54 receiving grade. After that is rookie Michael Mayer. Well, you think, well, that could be a real threat. So far, for Mr. Michael Mayer, two targets, one reception, two yards, 48.6 receiving grade. It's not good. Now, they do have another receiving threat, and that is running back Josh Jacobs. He has 18 receptions, 173 yards, and an 80 receiving grade. And of course, we all can picture in our minds running backs catching passes out of the backfield and running for a bunch of yards because we just can't stop simple things like that. So he hasn't been... um, You know, in terms of yardage, he is the number three receiver, technically. But in terms of talent, it's Devontae and Josh Jacobs. Strangely, his receiving grade is much better than his actual rushing grade. Right now, um, he has 62 attempts for 166 yards, just 2.7 yards per attempt and one touchdown, 63.3 rushing grade. Jacobs has been for a long time one of the premier running backs in football. But this year has been a complete disaster, whether that's the offensive line that's causing those problems or what. I mean, I I don't see this as a uniquely horrific run-blocking offensive line. It's just a complete failure. But speaking of, why don't we get to that? Uh, Left tackle Colton Miller is their one good offensive lineman. He has a 77 run-blocking grade and an 82 pass-blocking grade. He's given up two sacks, a hit, and four hurries, seven total pressures. Left guard Dylan Parham. He has a 69 pass blocking grade, giving up six pressures, and a 54 run blocking grade. At center, Andre James, who is a 2019 undrafted free agent that I've never heard of before, but has been around for a little bit of a while, I guess. Um, He has a 63 pass blocking grade, 67 run blocking grade. Right guard Greg Van Roten, 83 pass blocking grade, 64 run blocking, and then right tackle is where they are weakest, Jermaine, uh, Jermaine Illuminor, 44 pass blocking grade, has already, already given up 11 pressures and a 63 run blocking grade. So it's not the worst offensive line in the history of the world. It's mostly mediocre across the board. Although again, um, good pass blocking at right guard and left tackle. Good run blocking seems to be just at left tackle. Everything else is pretty mediocre. But again, at least in terms of the production, running the ball is horrific. It's putrid. They currently rank um, 31st, getting three yards per attempt on average. And again, just 2.7 of that comes from their starting back. Via DVOA so far this year, the Raiders have the 31st ranked offense with a negative 26.3. DVOA, which again just means 26.3% worse than an average offense, the most average, boring, you know, nothing offense in the world. They're 26.3% worse than that. And since they have the Packers as almost dead average, imagine 26% worse than the Packers right now. Passing the ball, DVOA ranks them as 26th, 10.7% worse than average, and running the ball dead last. Negative 34.1. 34% worse than an average rushing team. That's what we're dealing with right now. Some other DVOA stuff. I just noticed they added some player things. So Jimmy Garoppolo, negative 8.6. And 
They have Josh Jacobs as the third worst running back in football right now, ahead of just Travis Etienne. And actually, that's not true. He has a zero, so he's not counted, I guess. So just ahead of Jerome Ford, two spots behind A.J. Dillon. And just for for context, A.J. Dillon has a DVOA of negative 24.4. Josh Jacobs, negative 39.8. The success rate when he runs the ball is 47%. It's the 10th lowest. And then even looking at wide receiver, um, Devontae Adams is actually listed at 7.9%. They're not numbering it, but if I had to guess... I mean, we're, it only goes to 50, so we can count backwards for about uh, 40th, 7.9%. Now, that isn't necessarily, you know, this isn't a um, film grade like PFF is. This is largely just looking at his production and comparing it to expectations. So again, allow me to reiterate, this is a bad football team. It's a bad offense. Overall, when you just look at points, they have scored 62 points this year. The highest point total they have is 18 points against the Steelers, and they lost that game. They won one game, scoring 17 points against Denver. 17 points against the Denver Broncos. Just as a reminder, the Denver Broncos give up 35 to Washington, 70 to Miami, and 28 to the Chicago Bears. And this offense managed 17, and that's their only win of the season. They ranked 30th in turnovers with 10 turnovers, 21st in fumbles lost, 32nd in interceptions with 7, 17th in net yards per attempt passing, dead last in rushing yards, 21st in rushing touchdowns with 2, 31st in rushing yards per attempt, 27th in scoring, uh, scoring percentage, so how, what percentage of their drives do they score? They suck. Then we get to the defense. On the interior of their defensive line, you've got John Jenkins is their number one interior guy. He's primarily a pass rusher. That's where his highest grade is. He has a 69 pass rushing grade, a 57 run defense grade. He has four pressures on 64 attempts. That's garbage. Four pressures, 61 attempts, zero sacks. The number two interior guy is Bilal Nichols, who was a longtime Chicago Bear. He has a 51 pass rush grade and a 58 run defense grade. He can't do anything. He has three pressures on 70 attempts. That's less than 5%. No sacks. Their number three interior defensive lineman is Adam Butler. Adam Butler has two pressures on 71 attempts. These are historically garbage numbers. If you are a 390-pound nose tackle, these numbers would suck. He has a 60 pass rush grade, a 29 tackling grade, and a 65 run defense grade. Then after that is Jerry Tillery. Jerry Tillery is a guy in the back of my mind. Every time I see these long, lanky, skinny, interior, supposed pass rushing guys, I think of Jerry Tillery and I don't like them. He's never been a good pick. He's supposed to be this long, lanky, good pass rusher. Now, that's at the expense of run defense. He has a 40 run defense grade and a 40 tackling grade. He's terrible, but he should be a good pass rusher. He has a 58 pass rush grade and three pressures on 61 attempts, just shy of 5%. This is garbage, 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 garbage. That's four guys I'm talking about. Four interior defensive linemen. We have four pressures on 64 attempts. We have three pressures on 70, 
two on 71, and three on 61. That's horrific. There's also Byron Young, if we want to keep going down the list. There's two other guys. There's Byron Young. He has one pressure on 36 attempts with a 41 run defense grade. And then you got uh, Nesta Jade Silvera. He's played eight snaps. Um, he's not good. 47 run defense grade, 56 pass rush, no pressures. This team, as a whole, the entire year, the entire year, I'm not talking defensive line, I'm talking every single human being on this team the entire year, they have 66 pressures, 7 sacks. The Green Bay Packers have 13. They have 7. Their entire team has just what Rashawn Gary and Devontae Wyatt have combined. They have one more sack than Wyatt and Clark have combined. Then you've got the edge. The number one guy is Max Crosby. Max Crosby is a very good football player. He has a 91 pass rush grade, an 83 run defense grade, a 73 tackling grade. He has 27 pressures on 147 attempts and four sacks. That's 18.4% pressure rate. That's incredibly high. This is like not including this year. This is peak Rashawn Gary stuff. This is higher than peak Zadarius stuff. Just thinking back to, you know, relatable numbers. I mean, this is generally like the peak of the peak, and he is. He is about as good as they get. He isn't talked about as much as a lot of the other premier pass rushers, but he is as good or better than the ones that you've heard of. He's very good. But again, four games, four sacks, he can't do it all by himself. You can't expect a guy like Max Crosby to just get seven sacks in a game and win you the game. His counterpart is rookie Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson has a 37 PFF grade, 46 run defense grade, 48 tackling grade, 45 pass rush grade, three pressures on 70 attempts. He's horrible. He is horrible. Ty, do you remember Tyree Wilson? If you paid attention during the draft, you should. He was the number seven overall pick ahead of Lucas Van Ness. He is abysmally bad right now. Now, the bad news is the Raiders do exactly the opposite of what the Packers do. The Packers say, you're our best guy, so we're barely going to use you to make sure that you're healthy. Max Crosby has 300, or excuse me, 260 snaps so far. Tyree Wilson is the number two edge rusher. He has 110. Basically, they don't take Max Crosby off the field ever. He stays on the field forever. It's one of the big uh, drawbacks of the Green Bay Packers in comparison to a lot of other teams. If they have elite players, they keep them on the field. Now, Rashawn is not the best edge, rush, edge setter in terms of against the run, but I don't know that we have anybody that's significantly better that I'd want to pull Rashawn Gary. And I understand he's been injured, so he's been on a snap count, but we're still going to have a much heavier rotation than most other teams. But anyways, uh, Tyree Wilson is um, the number two the next guy in the rotation is Malcolm Kuntz. Malcolm Kuntz does have seven pressures on 51 attempts, so congratulations on cracking the 10%. He does have a 70 pass rush grade, but a 44 run defense grade and a 26 tackling grade. So he is a massive liability against the run and is a decent enough pass rusher, I guess. After that is Isaac Rochelle, the only other pass rusher that they have. Um, he is... The I, I guess he's mostly a run defender. He has a 68 run defense grade, but two pressures on 18 attempts, a 43 pressure grade, 39 tackling grade. So again, it's pretty much Max Crosby and nobody. At linebacker, number one linebacker is Robert Spillane. He has a, a, a 63 coverage grade and a 66 run defense grade. After that is Divine Diablo. Again, pretty much average across the board, 60, 50, 60, 60, 60. So... 
mid-linebackers. Spillane is a horrific tackler, though. And then at corner, Marcus Peters is the top guy. He has a 60 coverage grade, 20 targets, 14 receptions, 168 yards, a touchdown, two pass breakups, 112.1 passer rating when targeted. Their number two corner is Jacorian Bennett. He has a 45 PFF grade, a 45 coverage grade. He has been targeted 16 times. 12 of those were caught for 206 yards and a touchdown with two pass breakups, 137.5 passer rating when targeted. And then there's Nate Hobbs, who I mentioned is injured. Nate Hobbs has a 73 coverage grade, 73 overall, 82 run defense grade, 73 tackling grade. Um, he is probably their best corner, but he is not playing, which brings us to, as I mentioned earlier, um, Amik Robertson, 61 Overall, 57 coverage. He's played in two games. He had a 62 against uh, the Chargers. He had a 46 coverage grade against Denver. In his two games, he was targeted nine times. Six of those were caught for 75 yards and a touchdown. 129.4 passer rating when he was targeted. And then finally at safety, they have Trayvon Merig, Morig, however you say it. He actually grades out fairly well. 73 coverage grade. Eight targets, six receptions. He has given up two touchdowns, which is the most on his team. But he has a pick and two pass breakups, so he gets a little bit of extra credit for that. And then after that is Marcus Epps with a 63 coverage grade. He's more of a run defender, though. 77 run defense grade, 72 tackling grade. So he's going to be more of the strong safety run support guy. He has six targets, six receptions, 32 yards, and a touchdown against him. I think every single person on this team has given up a touchdown so far. Aside from that, they got special teams. Daniel Carlson is on the other side, brother of Anders Carlson. He is also perfect on the year, six extra points, uh, six for six on extra points, four for four on field goals. He doesn't have any 50-yard attempts yet, but seems to be doing all right. Punter A.J. Cole also grades out well with a 70 PFF grade. The return man that they have is DeAndre Carter. He's currently graded at a 59. He has two kickoff returns for 63 yards, 31.5 average, which is incredibly high. His punt returns, he has six of them for 45 yards, 7.5 yards per attempt, and one muffed punt return. So that's it, folks. That's, that's the Raiders in a nutshell. Um, I mean, defensively, they rank 24th in points, 18th in yard, 31st in turnovers. They only have one turnover on the entire season. They have zero fumble recoveries, um, 27th in passing touchdowns given up. 25th in interceptions, 20th in net yards per attempt allowed at 6.2, uh, 26th in rushing yards, 20th in rushing touchdowns given up, 18th in rushing yards per attempt given up, 31st in turnover percentage, 32nd in average drive time, 28th in plays, 27th in yards per drive, 28th in points per drive. They did tighten up a little bit on offense since getting skewered by Buffalo. Aside from that game, they've given up 16, 23, and 24, but still a uh, pretty rough, rough football team. Why don't we do this? Um, let me give you my score prediction for this game, and then we'll move on to the uh, Sunday games and my scores for those. So as you know, I have just sort of a, this isn't my gut. My gut would tell me it's probably still going to be a close game, and I would say that it's probably going to be a relatively low scoring game. I have some level of confidence in our defense to be able to stop an offense like this. I think our defense is built for teams like this. They can't run, so they're going to be self-inflicted wounds in terms of not being able to do what they need to do to beat our defense. So I do have some level of faith in that. Our offense, though, I don't know. I like our offense. Do I think we get 38 points? No. 
in the 20s? I hope so. So my gut would be something like, you know, 17 to 21 or something. Mathematically, though, when I look at the way that these two teams break down and how they've done this year, I actually have it a relatively large win, a six and a half point win, um, which I know is impossible, but mathematically it's not, for the Green Bay Packers, 26 to 19, if you round down. So uh, right now I've got the spread set at about six, uh, 6.64 and the uh, total set at 45.4. As always, if you're planning on making bets based on my advice, just don't tell me if you lose, all right? Because I'm going to warn you every time, don't do it. <laughs> Anyways, guys, let's take a break. We'll look at some other scores on the other side. We'll be right back. All right. Jacksonville Jaguars, Buffalo Bills. Not surprisingly, I got Bills beating the living daylights out of them. I got a 29-15. to 15, 13 and a half points is where I have the spread for Buffalo. So obviously, I'm much more in favor of Buffalo than Jacksonville. However, I don't want to touch that one as far as betting goes because it's in London and that feels weird. Not that Jacksonville is necessarily good because it's like their quote-unquote home game or whatever nonsense because they play there all the time. I just, it's just weird to me. It's like, it's like Thursday games. You just never know. But all things being equal, Buffalo big. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, likewise, I got Baltimore big. Pittsburgh's been an absolute joke. Whether or not they're going to figure it out, I have no idea. But 25 to 14, no real repercussions for us in that game. So I kind of don't care. But yeah, I think Baltimore walks away with that one. Also, though, divisional games, another thing that's kind of weird. So you never really know. But there's really no reason to expect Pittsburgh to win that game. New Orleans and New England. Technically, we are New England fans anytime there's an NFC competitor in the crosshairs. Um, but I really don't care all, uh, all that much. It's probably going to be a pretty boring game. The uh, New Orleans Saints are averaging nine, uh, 15 points per game. New England is averaging 14 points per game. So these two teams suck. But I do have New Orleans winning barely 19-16. to 16. Hopefully you're not subjected to having to watch that piece of garbage game. Houston and Atlanta, we do actually have a little bit of a rooting interest since Atlanta beat us. Uh, it could have some kind of an effect later on down the road uh, because they would end up winning any kind of a tiebreaker. So um, Houston kind of has come back down to earth the last couple of weeks, and Houston the last couple of weeks has been absolutely out of control. So depending on whether Atlanta wakes up or Houston kind of comes back down to earth, um, I've got Houston winning the game a little bit closer than I would have expected, but 21-17 Houston. Giants and Miami, pretty hilarious. Considering they scored 70, it's going to throw all the numbers off since forever. But suffice it to say, I've got Miami winning by about 20 points. <laughs> I've got it 38-19 to 19, Miami. I don't actually expect Miami to score that many points, but I do expect a uh, a beating of nearly that magnitude. Tennessee against Indy, uh, one of the close, closer contests I've ever seen here. Got Tennessee winning by uh, 0.3 points, 20.5 to 20.1, call it 21-20 Tennessee. Basically, Indy does have a better offense, but Tennessee has a better defense. They kind of balance each other out a little bit, but I got Tennessee squeaking that one out. Carolina and Detroit, a lot, a lot of injuries for Detroit, but I just, I wish it had happened any other week because Carolina is one of the more inept teams. They're scoring 17 points a game, allowing 26 nearly points per game. Detroit is scoring 26 and a half points per game, allowing just 21. Uh, who knows? You know, anything could happen, but it is Detroit at home, and I just, I don't see the injuries making that big of a difference. I've got Detroit winning 28 to 17, so 
a solid 11-point victory. And again, I just don't see a handful of, you know, a Jameer Gibbs who hasn't had a big role to begin with making an 11-point difference. But we can dream. Eagles-Rams, I've got a little closer than many would probably expect. But uh, as of right now, pretty similar defensive production. The Eagles offense has just been slightly better. So I've got it 28-23 Philadelphia. Don't really have a rooting interest in this one. Again, you could look at it and say it's better for us if there isn't this elite Goliath Philadelphia at the top. So you kind of hack them out at the knees. You start to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. More realistically, though, we probably just aren't on Philadelphia's level. And so it's kind of a race, as I said, for third place. So you take out the Rams, it helps our chances. But it's however you want to view it, I suppose. Bengals, Arizona, really don't care. Arizona's so far out of it, but I do have Arizona actually winning the game, um, which is shocking at this point that that's even a discussion. But 23-20, to Arizona. Cincinnati Bengals are scoring just over 12 points per game. It's just absolutely staggering. New York Jets against the Denver Broncos. Obviously, all big Denver Broncos fans in this game. Um, unfortunately, I do have the Jets winning. The Jets, just to to give you an idea of how bad Denver's defense is, the Jets are averaging 15.5 points per game. I have them scoring 25 points. Chiefs-Vikings really makes me nervous. Um, it's it, Mathematically, I've got it 28-19-ish, uh, to 19-ish, so it really shouldn't be all that close, 8-9 point win. But I just, I just don't know. Kansas City just hasn't been Kansas City. Their defense has been doing great, and it, you know if they can keep that up, then I guess there's not too much to be worried about. But I could just I could just see Kansas City's offense continuing to sputter and Minnesota just kicks it into gear because we know their offense can do better than they've been doing. Now, I've been betting on them every single week, and it's been to essentially no avail. Like I said, their one victory really was not massively impressive to me, but this Vikings game, or this Chiefs game, just it just, just makes me nervous. So if we don't see a resurgence of the Chiefs that we know, I think this could be a win for Minnesota. But as of right now, that's not how I have it. Cowboys 49ers is pretty interesting. Um, I, Dallas is such a... I mean, the 49ers are a very consistent team. They just are what they are. They're, they're good kind of just across the board, right? 31 points scored per week on average, 14.5 points allowed. And I mean, they're just, they're just consistent in what they do. Dallas is wildly inconsistent, but their highs are so unbelievably high and their lows are so unbelievably low. I actually have Dallas winning the game, 22-20. to 20. I think, however, there's a really good chance that San Francisco just stomps the living daylights out of Dallas. It just depends what Dallas team shows up. I think it'll be a... If, if Dallas shows up in, in all its glory, it's going to be a really close game that I think Dallas can win, but... If Dallas shoots itself in the foot, you know, especially with some of the guys that they got out, um, you know, their number one cornerback and whatnot, San Francisco's ability to exploit them. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I do have Dallas sneaking out the uh, the upset here. Not much of an upset, but, you know. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got. And then we're on to Monday. So you guys have a good, relaxing Sunday. Watch a little bit of football. Hopefully we get to see some NFC North opponents fall. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.